Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State podcast. I am Athletic Culture Auditor Matt Brown, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, safe to say this was a certainly a game like any other that we're uh, recording a podcast after. Uh, but wow. probably Penn State's worst game in the James Franklin know, era. At least, at, at least the at least the 2015 Temple game. We might have to go with that, but there, there's several uh, possible options. Yeah, if you're listening to this, you know Penn State lost to Maryland, 35 to 19. Um, I'll repeat, Penn State lost to Maryland. Um, I, Matt, I, it's I feel Maybe like the every third time ever. Yeah, I feel like every Monday it's one of those things where it's like, how the heck did we get here, right? Like, what's gone wrong? Um, and right now it's. There's a lot going wrong for the Nittany Lions, and it's not just one area. I think, you know, so many times we want to point to and say, okay, it's it's the offense. And through the first two weeks, they got a lot of criticism. Uh, but this defense uh, did not look good either. So, yeah, uh, happy Monday, Matt. Here here we are. Penn State is 0-3. You know what's a weird thing about the defense? Like, mm-hmm. it just kind of got missed that they gave up, like, 50 yards in the second half. But the game was yeah. just so far gone by that point that, like, it didn't matter. Like, the fact – the first quarter was enough. Like, the the second time Raheem Jarrett beat Penn State on basically the, the same yarder. exact play. Yeah. It's like, what? This team is not focused, not prepared, uh, doesn't want to be there. Like, I don't know what it is if it's a combination of all three of those things. But as soon as that happened, it's like, okay, something is, something is very off. I know that's a five-star receiver, and, and Talia Tagovailoa looks pretty good. Yeah. But they were out of position, caught flat-footed twice on big plays, and that was it. The game was over. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot of criticism to spread around, but it's just, it's just, I've never seen, or it's been a while since we've seen such a flat performance. And I don't know, we can get into the bigger picture of like trying to judge this very weird season. And I think it's like, it's tough, harder. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be very easy for teams to just like to borrow a like British soccer expression for teams to just lose the plot. Like mm-hmm. uh, given the circumstances of the season, um, it's just going to be harder to keep teams focused. And I think we're, we're heading toward the saddest Penn state Michigan game ever in a few weeks. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even think that far ahead, Matt. This is, this is kind of like where we're at. I just, you know, you're sitting there. And I, I made mention of this last week. You know, it's so bizarre. You're sitting in Beaver Stadium. It's empty. It looks strange. It feels strange. It was a 70-degree day on Saturday. Beautiful day. Uh, but then you watch this defense, and you watch them get gashed for big play and big play yet again. Uh, and that, to me, is is like the biggest issue right now on a defense that has few issues uh, because so much of this offseason was spent – trying to correct, you know, the big plays that they surrendered last year. And I was sitting there during the game and this is, you mentioned like, you know, not recognizing or um, appreciating what the defense did in the second half. Um, honestly, a lot of that was because we're digging through our notes and stats trying to figure out like, okay, how bad is this loss going to be, to be, right? Uh, you know, how far back do you have to go? And uh, I'm sitting there jotting down notes and I always you know this, Matt, and I'm sure readers, uh, if you read The Athletic, you know I'm big on the explosive plays. Penn State's made it a focal point the last few years, so I have looked into it quite a bit in my reporting. And for this defense, I mean, I just went back, and it's like, okay, Chris Olave was a 26-yard touchdown catch. Chris Olave had a 49-yard touchdown reception. 
And then you look at Saturday and it's touchdowns of 42, 62, 38, and 34 yards. It was the first play against Ohio State, too. It wasn't a pass. Yeah. It was, what, 62, 65 yard run on the first play from scrimmage that the secondary and the yeah. linebackers really got caught flat footed and out of position. Like, yeah, and I was just looking at touchdowns, Messi. I was being nice. I was, <laughs> you know, I was just like, but I mean, it's, it's the same yeah. thing. Like that, that immediately set the tone for that game. It's like, uh oh, here we go. First play from scrimmage. You know, the, the game on, on Saturday against Maryland wasn't the first play, but how many plays into it was it? Six? Uh, yeah. So not good <laughs> to, to put it. Put and it I lightly. think, you know, to, to the point too of like, the team's flat. It's the people, and we're seeing a lot of it on social media, understandably. So we, we hear all of your criticisms out there as fans, your concerns, your questions. Um, and it's so many people have asked, you know, like this team just doesn't want to be there. It looks like they don't want to be there. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get the interpretation that that's it. Um, however, Based on Jahan Dotson's quotes, quote, it, it feels like maybe, maybe part of, part of the team might be a little unfocused, which again, yeah. I understand part like there's a lot going on right now. And when, when you're Owen two, like I'm sure in some ways it was hard to get up for Saturday's game. You, mm-hmm. You're like, all right, at least usually if you come back another home game, there's at least energy in the stadium. You can get the crowd behind you again. There's not that on Saturday and you're just playing in a very, 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 very strange atmosphere. Your your big 10 title hopes are already gone, you know, at Owen two. And, you know, Maryland's, of course, an energized team that, you know, makes, you know, beating Penn State is a huge deal for Maryland, as we saw on their social media accounts. And oh, yeah, but they're, they're doing some tremendous pretty aggressive with this it. year. Yeah. So it's just, and, and then once Penn State got down early, it's just like, you know, the team was, you know, they, they missed that, for, you know, they go for it on fourth down again on the first drive, which again, I don't really necessarily have a problem with. It was the throwing a the play. low percentage fade to a five foot 10 freshman in the back corner of the end zone that I had a problem with. Cause especially yeah. cause it turned, I mean, it turned out that Sean Clifford just had pretty much his worst day as a quarterback, uh, you know, starting 10 of 30 in this game, you know, his final numbers don't look that bad, but you know, they were, they were playing catch up. When you met hand. his numbers, Matt, I did not realize until like going back, looking at it uh, late Saturday night. And I had to look at it twice. I'm like, did he throw the ball 57 times? Which I believe was a Penn State record. I, uh, you know, what? I, I, there were some notes in the game notes that uh, mentioned some Penn State records. Like, and I didn't, I, I glanced Setting at Setting a past it. attempt record is usually not good because it usually means you're playing yeah. from behind. And Penn State was playing from behind from, you know, basically the whole game. Um, so not, yeah, I, I think hack, let's see, Hackenberg threw 55 attempts <laughs> when they lost Indiana, the only other time oh, in 2013, um, Rashard Casey threw 51 attempts and a loss to Iowa in 2000. So yeah, this is, this is yeah. kind of what, if Penn state's attempting 50 passes, it's usually not good news. Even no. though the offenses change, it's usually not good news. And I just, um, you know, after the game we're all on zoom doing these interviews um <laughs> shouting into our computers the best we can trying to connect with people uh and kudos to the players for taking the questions and i'm sure you know the last thing they want to do after a loss going on three is to talk to a bunch of us as we're struggling to hear them and we yell into our computers asking them questions um but sean clifford comes out every week and answers questions um credit to him because 
Nobody can question the guys' easy. toughness, the guys, you know, drive, all of that. Like, yeah, I mean, teammates love the guy. feel bad, like, for the way things are going for him. Yeah, like, I mean, nobody nobody wanted this. Nobody expected this. You know, you talk to Pat Fryermuth after the game, and it's it's very much like a trying to figure out what's going wrong with this team. We keep asking players about it, and they're just all like, we're not sure. You know, it's Fryermuth's like, hey, it's not the coaching staff, it's us. We got to execute. We have to do more throughout the week. That's kind of been a theme. Uh, Sean Clifford said that Jason Oway said, Hey, you know what? Some of us are playing outside of the framework of the defense. Jesse Lucetta said the same thing. And I asked both of them, I said, is this something where you guys are trying too hard to make a play? And they're like, yeah, sometimes. And you know, the flip side of that, Sean Clifford said, yeah, sometimes he's trying to do too much. And I think we certainly saw that on, I believe it was third and 16 uh, when he moved backwards and took that really, really bad sack where he should have thrown the ball away. He's trying to make a play. There's nowhere to go with the ball. There's pressure in his face. Um, and so As now, an Eagles like, fan, it, it, it rings it's like quite familiar sometimes. <laughs> you know, and I will go back to Indiana. Um, I drove to my hotel the, the night after that game and was texting with a family friend uh, who's an Eagles fan. And he said, we were talking about the Eagles game. And uh, I said, you know what? Is there a parallel right now between Sean Clifford and Carson Wentz? And my friend was like, oh my God. I think you're right. And but like the more that this evolves, it, it's, it's rung true. So yeah, Matt, it's a interesting time for quarterbacks in the state of Pennsylvania. But the Eagles are somehow in first place. Penn state decidedly <laughs> not right now. Uh, you know, it's Clifford's been sacked 13 times already this year. That's three games. He was sacked 20, 26 times last year. Clifford was sacked. Penn state gave up, I think 32 sacks last year, 26 of those were Clifford. And so we're already halfway there and we're through three games. That's a problem. He got hit a lot last year. It was getting sacks. It was also all the running. And now, you know, the, the hits are just adding up. He's, you know, it was the same thing over and over Saturday where, you know, one play, no, no receiver would be open. He'd hold the ball too long and get hit. You know, the next play, he'd have an open Pat Fryermuth or an open other receiver, and he'd overshoot him by two feet. You know, it was just the passes were consistently sailing high, and it felt like one of those games when – it was like Christian Hackenberg looks broken right yeah. now. Like it felt like yeah. one of those games, the guy's taking a lot of hits, you know, things have unraveled a little bit. The offense is just not what they wanted it to be, what they thought it would be. And it's just kind of spiraled out of control. And again, the final numbers do not really tell the story because they ended up going 27 to 57, which is still under 50%. So it's not like a great final yeah. numbers through for 340 yards, but he only averaged six yards per attempt. Again, he started 10 of 30, um, got sacked seven times and you know, again, second half, you got some plays from Jahan Dotson, got some plays from Parker Washington. You know, the receivers have flashed. They've also, there's also been an inconsistency in getting open too. Sometimes it's just nobody there. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of things. And it's also the fact that they can't run the ball. I mean, that's a big problem. Look, big I know problem. Journey Brown is out and Journey okay. Brown, you know, is a potential All-American this year. Like it's tough. You're, you're down a really, 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 really good player. Noah Kane, again, who I've said, you know, midseason last year, we thought he was the best running back on the team. He can be really, really good. He's not playing. As the Devin conductor Ford of the Kane a... train, Matt. As the conductor <laughs> of the true. Kane train, I, uh, they're, they're hurting right now. But, but Devin Ford was still a big-time recruit. And yeah. he had nine carries, 36 yards on Saturday. He had one carry of 15 yards. So the rest, that means the rest was eight for 21. Kaziah Holmes had nine carries for 29 yards. Kevon Lee had one carry for three yards. Sean Clifford, 17 for 26, which includes the sacks. But take away the sacks, he still had the most carries. So the running game is just broken. Uh, We saw, you know, 
the right it's side also of the something line. That I would say that they should be doing a lot the rest of the year in a lot of places, which is start to experiment. Yes. Uh, you know, you can go into the offensive line changes they made, but they started to move things around. It's like, all right, you know, you have a veteran line with basically four and a half returning starters, given the experience that Miranda mm-hmm. and, and Thorpe have. And it looks like it's regressed, which is hard to say about a line that hasn't been a strength of this team in a long time. Yeah. And I think with the line, I mean, now it's, we've seen it, we've been around here long enough where you see it from Matt Limegrover, then you see it, or I'm sorry, you see it from her pan to Matt Limegrover from Matt Limegrover now to Phil Troutwine. Um, it's still a problem. And and they did start moving things around, around, excuse me, the right side of the line. Um, we saw, you know, Will, Will Fries moved from right tackle inside to right guard. Uh, CJ Thorpe came out of the game at one point and now Franklin had said preseason on the radio show that they thought, you know, Fries would get some time, time at guard this year. And he did. Um, but that by doing that, it allowed Caden Wallace to get into the game at right tackle. To me, that's important. Um, you know, this is your future right here. This was a really highly touted uh, offensive lineman, get him some reps, get him in the game. Uh, they did that. So we saw that combination working a bit uh, with Fries at right guard. Later in the game, we did see Juice Scruggs. He got in the game. Uh, this was his first game action because he was in that car accident ahead of spring ball in 2019. And obviously no spring game this year, no spring practices. Uh, so it was a monumental moment for him just in terms of yeah. getting back on the field. Um, if you're looking for positives and feel goods for a team right now that it doesn't look like there's many of them. Um, personally, that's a big moment for Juice, Juice Scruggs. So it was good to, to see him back there and healthy. But yeah, I just, you have to question the personnel that they have up front because Clifford's taking way too many hits. Uh, not all of it is his fault. You know, I, I know a lot of times fans are quick to pin everything on the quarterback, but some of them definitely his fault. Um, but he's getting hit left and right. And that, Matt, kind of brings me to my next point here. As we look at this offense uh, and the quarterback play down 35 to seven, um, why is Sean Clifford still in the game in the third quarter? Why is Penn State hesitant to look elsewhere? I understand you don't want to start a quarterback controversy on a team that right now has its own share of issues, more than enough issues right now with the way it's playing. But I just don't understand. And I wrote this in my story up Monday morning on The Athletic. I don't understand who it benefits when you're keeping a quarterback in the game. They're getting it handed to him. He is having the worst game of his life. Um, I'm not saying that you need to go into Nebraska next week and say, you know, oh, the position's up for grabs. Um, how does keeping Sean Clifford in that game help him? Uh, how does it help this offense? I just, to me, you're taking more hits. We saw him the end of last year get to the finish line and limp through it as Will Levis finished the year against Rutgers because Clifford was so banged up. Um, I just, James Franklin, I asked him about it Saturday night after the game. I said, uh, my question was very direct. I know fans are, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of media criticism on the tweet machine this week, Matt. Uh, A lot of people saying that we need to hold Franklin accountable. Um, I take a lot of time to formulate my question and what I want to ask and, try to get you guys as many answers as we can, but also understand that it's really difficult this year and that we can't follow questions up. Uh, we're on zoom. It, it is totally different ball game, but I hear you. Uh, I'm working for you because we all want to get these answers. But um, I asked him afterward, I said, you know, 
was any consideration given to pulling Sean Clifford? Um, and if not, why? And it, it was really, it's kind of the same line we've heard from James Franklin over, over time, because we heard it with Christian Hackenberg. We heard it at times um, when Trace McSorley was banged up and was staying in the game. Uh, and it's, he thought they could win that game. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. I'd never had the sense um, down 35 to seven that there was going to be a huge comeback for a team that's only scored 20 points in the first half of three games this year. But um, I think there's a fine line. Like, that's like I, get the, I get the mentality. Like, look, it was early in the second half. You know, no, technically the game is not over. Like there's it's Maryland. They gave up 40 some points in each of the first two games. You get your act together, make a couple plays Like you can get back in the game. They almost did get back into the game a little bit. They, like they threatened to almost do it. <laughs> and then of course they didn't, but and, you know, it's also trying to, you know, hey, James Franklin has, a, I believe, a psychology background in, in college. Like, you're trying to manage a quarterback whose confidence is shaken. And, you know, taking it out of the game might, you know, push that over the edge. Like, it, it's a tough situation to handle. But I also agree. Like, you know, you in the third the quarter, maybe after that fumble or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even say necessarily bench him for the game. I just think – at some point they might've just need to, okay, we need to settle down. Like let's regroup, change things up a little bit, regroup, let him settle down a little bit, throw Levis out there, see what he can do. Cause it's not like Levis is a freshman who's never been out there. You know, he started a game. He, he carried the load against Ohio Ohio State State last year. Like he's been in, in, in bigger, in big situations. So it's just, it it was a really, it was, it was tough to watch. Honestly, you know, it was just hit after hit, miss throw after miss throw, and, you know, Clifford hung in there. He, he got something going a little bit down the stretch. You know, they made some plays, but uh, it, it's, I think it's certainly a question worth asking. And, and I, I don't disagree. Yeah. And to me, it's uh, James Franklin did end the question by saying, you know, we thought it was the right decision at the time to keep Clifford in there. Um, I do wonder if that gets revisited post game. Cause I feel like we've gone through this before, Um where it's, you know, some of the game day decisions we look at and we wonder about, uh, you mentioned earlier, Matt, that the fourth down on the opening drive, uh, you're down seven, nothing. Why not attempt the field goal, make it seven, three. Given that it was fourth and three, I, I think I, I probably would have kicked, especially if that was the play call. Like, yeah, if it's fourth and one, go for it. I agree. Fourth and three, that's kind of on the edge and to get points on the first drive, like, I don't know. It's, again, um, it's easy to question after the play call fails, but I just didn't like the play call at all. And then we saw how Clifford played the rest of the game. It was, it was tough. It was tough. And I think though, with it, and I, I made mention of this in my story, they've gone for it on fourth down yeah. uh, on their opening drive in three consecutive games. So I don't know if this is, if it's coincidence or if this is something where like philosophically, you know, uh, they want to do, because if you go back to the Indiana game, uh, Penn State scored on fourth and goal at the two, the Ohio State game, they went for it on fourth and two at the Penn State 45. Uh, we all remember that that didn't work out. And then here, you know, they're going for it fourth and three at the Maryland seven. So I don't know if this is like, you know, one of those tone setting type of things that they want to do um, or Matt, the kicking situation right now, maybe, oh boy, I, I, that's the, the other thing. Like I didn't... Everything is just out of whack right now. Like, yes. I, I, and I Jake mean, Pinnegar only missed one kick last year. Like, 
it's just it's just every literally everything is off and it's weird to say but like i I don't even know how to explain it like everything is off right Uh, yeah i mean i and this is i still don't understand because we've asked so many times um about this two kicker operation and you know you see jordan stout doing punts you see him doing kickoffs you see him being that long-range guy but then later in the game, why is Jake Pinniger coming out for the 49-yard field goal attempt and not Jordan Stout? And so, of course, Pinniger misses it. Pinniger's one of four this season. Um, he's 0 for 2 from 40-plus yards. Jordan Stout, one of two with a successful 50-yarder. And so, almost made a 57-yarder. Yeah. So I don't understand. Like, did something maybe happen in game with but, Stout? Is this a I don't think like, so. I, I mean, they've, I don't, but I, haven't they I mean, he was 50 puddled. and above? Like. That's what they said before. Yeah, and it's a mess. That walk that fine line. I think you can disagree with, but I don't think there's any like other explanation. I think that's just what it is. Like that's what they said. He's 50 and above, isn't he? So. It's well, they've so they've they've toyed with the, the number uh, at some point. I think it was like 47 and above, okay. and it's yeah, who's feeling good that day? What the wind is like? But yeah, it's uh, I mean, the fact that we can't even point to like the third phase as being like okay, well, at least things are going well there. Um, it's not. And to me that it makes you wonder about the overall kind of demeanor of this team. Right. And we touched on this in the opening and Jahan Dotson, who James Franklin said a couple weeks ago, he joked that he's like, yeah, I don't think Jahan Dotson said more than 23 words uh, since he's been here. Well, Jahan Dotson said quite a few words uh, after the game Saturday night and it was warranted. It was necessary. And it's like one of those things where, Somebody's got to say it. And the what I'm referencing, if you haven't somehow, if you haven't seen it, uh, Jahan Dotson Saturday night said, we're not as one right now. We're not a unit right now. There's a lot of different things going on. Uh, there's just distractions that we shouldn't be focused on right now. We got to be focused on getting in the win column and nothing else. And Dotson, after Ohio State, I believe it was, also had said like, okay, you know, guys got to come in on Mondays on their day off. We want to see everybody in the building. He said that again this week. Um, it might've actually been after Indiana where he said too, like, you know, if guys don't want to be here, we don't need that. Uh, so it definitely sounds like there are some pieces to this puzzle that aren't working, aren't gelling behind the scenes. Um, that's what it sounds like. I could, you know, I very well could be wrong. Maybe this is one of those things where you do have some young guys playing key roles. Maybe maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, But, you know, and he was asked, what kinds of things are people looking ahead of? Like, what are these distractions? Is it COVID? Is it, are guys going to opt out in season now? Like, what is it? Um, And nobody would really go there and touch that and say what this distraction is um, other than it's there. So I don't, I'm not sure where kind of the camaraderie cohesiveness is with this team. And it's also weird because we're not around them at all. You know, usually I could point to a couple anecdotes at practice and tell you this or say, Oh, on the sideline during warmups on the road, I saw this or the night before the game at the team hotel, there was X, Y, and Z. Um, We're really, really isolated from them. So I know that, you know, a lot of these guys are close friends. They're roommates. Um, I believe Jahan Dotson lives like with OA and Jesse Lucetta and that kind of thing. So, so many different guys on these team um, from other sides of the ball are close, like Sean Clifford and Tariq Castro Fields are super close. Um, I don't think you have to worry about anybody opting out at this point, Matt. I I don't think. Um, 
I haven't been given any indication that that would be the case, but it does make you wonder. And I spent a good portion of post-game Saturday talking with Jason Oway, trying to pick his brain about these three games for him. And he said, you know, he did lead the team in tackles Saturday night. Um, I believe it was two and a half tackle or two tackles for loss, I believe too. And he said, you know, I got to do more. I got to get home. Um, there's so many plays where he's been close to getting a sack and it just hasn't happened. Uh, Shaka Tony was not on the stat sheet Saturday night. And I don't know, Matt, I'm wondering if maybe if, is he a little banged up or it just, I don't know. It, it, he didn't look the same to me. Uh, it's one game we'll see, but yeah, right now the, we're not as one message is really kind of ringing through the lash building and has all of us wondering, you know, what, what's the deal? Because as Sean Clifford put it, and again, kudos to him being for being very blunt um it, Clifford said Saturday night it's very apparent what type of football team we are we are an 0-3 poor performing football team currently and we need to change that we got to figure it out because it's unacceptable to ourselves the program the coaches the fans it's unacceptable um at least Matt it's not like the you know the players are over here saying oh we're doing a great job it just didn't go our way like they're being very critical yes. um and I know a lot of people take issue with they want James Franklin to publicly throw players under the bus. Um, it's not going to happen, right? He's never done it. He's not going to do it, nor should he say that, you know, like he's not going to come out and say, yeah, so-and-so had a terrible game, this, that, like, it's not his style. He's never operated that way. It's not going to change. It's not anybody's style. Like nobody, you know, no good Yeah, unless, you know, so unless you get one of these like live wire coaches who goes off the handle post game, like it's just, it's not, how it is. Um, so you try to piece together what you can uh, from a season like this, but yeah, I, the offense, Matt, I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it to be honest, because it's not just Sean Clifford. It's not just the offensive line. Um, the, if there's any humor in all of this, it's this, it's that the receiving core that we all talked and wrote about all off season and Oh, it's only going to be as good as whatever they get out of the receiving core. Um, that's been a bright spot. And that to me is just, you know, you're starting two true freshmen. We saw Keandre Lambert Smith make his first collegiate start alongside Parker Washington between Dotson Lambert Smith and Washington. um, That really hasn't been the anywhere near the biggest level of concern right now. No, no, for sure. I I would put the offensive line is might be first and foremost, the concern because like Clifford isn't going to get right without, better that. performance in the offensive mm-hmm. line ahead of him without he needs a running game to help him out and they just don't have it and i just don't think there's a lot of confidence in the running game we saw with just you know the number of times clifford has run this year and all of that so you, you, know, you talk about the offensive line and the running game obviously clifford's accuracy is a big concern and you know i think the pass rush i think is I, i'm not panicking about that part like i think they're gonna get there like there's a lot of talent there they flashed it's just not always like translated into like getting the quarterback to the ground forcing mistakes and then i think you know secondary the safeties in particular just you know there's problems with reaction time with with being out of position giving up big plays so you know it's some of the same concerns we've seen it's just the offensive line is not getting better in fact it's probably regressing the secondary not getting better and you know, a lot of the high expectations for this year, like, okay, this is, you know, there's promising young corners and three seniors starting in the secondary. The offensive line is as experienced and deep as, as it's been in a long time. 
but it's not translating in the slightest. And no, I think the problems are just kind of adding up. It's like a, you know, a snowball rolling. Like it's just kind of going out of control and to the point where almost everything feels broken, as I've said. So it's, you know, how can they respond? Like, it's not, they, they can't win the big 10, you know, <laughs> it's getting to the top 25 would be a chore at this point. Hell, we don't it's, even know if they can beat can Nebraska respond, you know, right now. <laughs> right. You know, the last time they started 0-3 was, was 2001. Uh, and they started 0-4 that year. It was a very weird year. Um, 9-11 caused the second game to get postponed against Virginia. So they only played, they were, they actually didn't win a game until October 20th, you know, on a season that started September 1st. And, you know, three of the first four games, they lost by double digits. And then they actually ended up winning five of the last seven and had a legit shot, probably should have beat Virginia in the finale to go to a bowl game. So, you know, when all hope is lost, it doesn't mean that things can't turn around like, you know, 2001, they turned things around in the second half and set things up for a, a pretty good season the next year. You know, 2004, they were just absolutely dreadful on offense all year, but they got the famous goal line standing against Indiana, played a great game to finish and ended up, you know, winning the Big Ten the next year. So it's not like you should just throw in the towel on a season because it got off to a bad start. It, it's it's easier to, to, to really throw in the towel when the season's had such high expectations because those high expectations certainly didn't exist in 2001 coming off of a losing record. They didn't exist in 2004 coming off of a losing record. So this is a different type of situation where, you know, a preseason top 10 team and now 0 and three, you know, they were a 27 point favorite against Maryland. And for a while, it looked like they were going to lose by 27. And this is a team that they've lost to three times ever now. And this is the first time by more than four points. So it's there, there's been some bad seasons Penn state has had, but this one has, it's kind of a different feel than some of them just because the expectations were so high and, and it's, uh, and I think you know, it's going to be easy for everybody to tune out just based on yeah. you know, the way the season has gone and, and the circumstances. It's, it's a really, 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 really challenging situation. That's going to test the leadership both on the coaching staff and on the team. And uh, I solicited some mailbag questions um, on Sunday. <laughs> Gosh, don't even know my days now on Sunday. And um, I think we're, we're hitting on a lot of the points that yes. you guys are making, but <laughs> One question, I think it kind of it segues nicely to what we're talking about right now. Um, Josh asked, what should be the goal for the rest of the season? And will that help for 2021? And I think that's, this is the whole thing right now. Like, how do you readjust these expectations? And what what's the goal? Because what we've seen through three games, Matt, especially based off of what we saw against Maryland, um, this Penn State team is going to struggle, struggle in every game. Um, it's not going to be easy. There's not going to be a game where you say, oh boy, I really want to see what Will Levis looks like for most of the game against Rutgers. Um, because this team right now is just not there. Uh, so in terms of like a win total right now, gosh, I, I, well, feel I have like, some good news. I have some good news. Okay. Cause I feel like they're really, Right now, it's just really difficult to even pick this team week by week. And we said in the preseason, this was going to be really difficult week by week because of COVID. But now, because of performance, um, I called Maryland a get-right game. And it was That's not, what we thought, yeah. Um, so much but for here's the thing with the schedule and win totals and, and yeah. you know, Penn State, you can't really predict. Penn State is weirdly opened as like a four-point favorite against nebraska which good luck yeah. to anybody who chooses to bet on penn state nebraska this week because i do not know <laughs> like, i won't tell you but, how to spend your money but do not spend your money on this game <laughs> either way like bet for penn state against like i don't know like because that's the thing if you look at the schedule this is 
what every game looks like now. Like the Big Ten is pretty bad. <laughs> like you look at Ohio yeah. State's schedule right now, like trying to figure out, you know, the playoff race or whatever. The only team currently on Ohio State's schedule that is ranked is number 10, Indiana, which is the weirdest sentence I've ever said, but it's true. Number 10, Indiana. First time in the top 10 since 1969. It has been a long time. And so you look at Penn State's schedule, Nebraska. Nebraska is 0-2. Uh, quarterback questions, you know, Adrian Martinez, should he be benched, should he be not? Aren't they averaging benched. like 15 points a game, I believe? 15 points a game. Yeah. They, they lost to Northwestern 21-13. to They also got blown out by Ohio State in the opener. So Nebraska is has been like the most angsty team in the country the last decade. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, okay, I, I don't know. Penn State's broken, but so is Nebraska. The next week they play Iowa. Uh, Iowa is one and two has had lots of problems. They did come out and pound Michigan state this week, uh, but they also lost to Northwestern and Purdue to start the year close. So I don't know what you're getting from Iowa. You know, Michigan just lost to Indiana for the first time since 1987. It's biggest loss to Indiana is in 1959. Michigan also lost to Michigan state who is terrible. So <laughs> what did you expect from that game? I don't know. Rutgers looking better than they have been, but still not, you know, not particularly loaded team with talent or anything like that Penn state has more talent than Rutgers Michigan state beat Michigan and it comes out and gets blown out by a 0-2 Iowa team Michigan state also lost to Rutgers so that's the schedule the rest of the regular season there's not a team on the schedule that is not beatable there's also not a team on the schedule that they can't lose to and we know that after Saturday especially yeah. you know Indiana turns out I think they're pretty good you know they're a well-coached team they're playing hard Ohio state obviously is really good Maryland is better than it's been like they have some you know Tagovailoa looks good. Rakeem Jarrett looks like the real deal. You know, I said it was kind of hard for Penn State on Saturday. Like, you know, they're getting burned by a five-star receiver while Penn State's five-star receiver scored a touchdown for Florida at the same time. Oh, and I didn't I didn't even realize the, the shorter – I did not know that. So, like, you can't write off the rest of the year. Just, it's like, a lot of these teams – if Penn State's writing off the season, then a lot of these teams are writing off the season, you know? But there's also nothing right now to say that Penn state's going to go on a run like that. That's so it's hard to put a win. Like I I just, you don't know how teams are going to react. Like other teams are in the same situation as Penn state, but I mean, yes, the team that we've seen the first three games, do I expect them to go out and win four of their last five? No, no, I do not. And I also think too, um, (laughs) going along with the, like everything went bad Saturday, everything was broken. Um, during the second quarter, Penn State looks bad. Um, Derek Davis Jr. commits to LSU, so you missed out. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was like. I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I guess it could be worse. Um, you know, so your top target in 2021 is now off the board. Um, Penn State's putting together a really nice 2022 class. We have seen a lot of the commits the last couple of days uh, take the Twitter and send out "We are" or say that you know these. Ken Talley had posted something the other day that these losses are flukes and this and that. Um, because that's an important element of this, because I know a lot of people have asked, like, kind of what's the what's the benefit of the rest of the season? Like, what's the redeeming value to even playing right now? Um, one, and I guess, Matt, I should ask people this. Um, remember how we all felt in August when Big Ten wasn't going to play and we're all like, oh, this is terrible. Um, I, is this better than not having a season? Like, does this, I don't know how fans feel. Um, do, like, does this beat the alternative, seeing your team underperform, but at least be able to play? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, for me, I like covering games. I enjoy, enjoy what I do. So certainly it's a win. Um, but I'd be curious to know how fans feel about that. Um, I do think though, 
you got to show, you got to move toward the future. You got to show that you yes. can make progress. Um, you can't just write this season off and just kind of punt on it the rest of the way. And that's where I think we'd mentioned the, the right side of the offensive line, which looks like it's a construction site right now with a lot of moving parts, but then you also have the secondary and what was got, what was supposed to get so many people excited was that you had, you know, a senior in Lamont Wade, a senior in Jaquan Brisker, a senior in Tariq Castro fields, and then a lot of competition at that other spot, whether it was Joey Porter jr. Keaton Ellis, who we still have not seen play um, for the defense this season. Uh, so you're supposed to have all these options. Well, the secondary hasn't looked great. Uh, now I think you got to start to say, okay, what, what can you do there? Um, what can you mix up? You know, you've got these young corners that you feel pretty good about. Uh, they've been very high on Daquan Hardy in the off season. That second touchdown Saturday night was not a highlight for him, uh, certainly, but again, what's the value of live reps for some of these young guys? And that really, really matters, which also takes me back to the quarterback spot and why live reps are so important for developing your quarterbacks, which they are. Um, and that kind of takes me back to the whole Sean Clifford thing and why didn't you make a change, uh, whether that's Bull Levis, why don't you see what Taquan Roberson maybe can do? Um, I don't know. To me, there's just, there's definitely benefit to seeing what you can do every week. Uh, you can't just punt on the rest of the season, but I do think now, this season takes on a developmental tone when months ago we were talking, is this the team that can get into the college football playoff? Now they're 0 three eligibility literally does not matter this year. Yeah. I got into it. <laughs> it's just, you know, look, the current depth chart is 0 three and just got, you know, pretty well trounced by Maryland. It's every, there's just no reason that, you know, every position is open. Every, every position's up for grabs. There's no reason not to experiment. Uh, what, what's happening right now is not working and the team does not have an identity. The team is, you know, just not on the same page clearly in multiple respects. It's all right. Well, it's what can we do to build and make things better? Not now necessarily, but it's what can we do to be better in 2021, 2022. And so I, I don't know what that means. Like you're not going to play guys who aren't ready to play. But yeah. there's also there is no reason to not treat this as you know more of an experimental season now and just see what happens. You know, it's, the the goals are out the window, and you know I don't I don't know what the bowl situation is going to look like. Oh, uh, but there's no eligibility rules, and it's just going to be a weird bowl year. But just I don't know, try something new. Yeah, <laughs> That's and all we, you can say. I mean, we did see them. Uh, they went to Jair Brown early on um, after Wade had struggled a little bit. Um, then we did see Lamont Wade come back. Like, I think it was third quarter-ish maybe. Um, so, like, th they're trying some different things. Uh, but that, to me, is, like, what you're going to have to keep on doing. Because getting Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith out there, there's a ton of value in that. Continuing to bring along Brenton Strange, also a lot of value to that. Because mm -hmm. Pat Fryermuth. Um, you know, this was kind of almost viewed as a bonus season for fans to get to see him after everything that transpired this off season. Uh, so you got to continue developing at those spots as well, but the linebacking core right now is interesting. We did see more of Curtis Jacobs on Saturday. Um, we saw him in coverage one time, actually almost had his first career interception yeah. uh, along the sideline. So that was, you know, a, a positive spot, a bright moment, um, we also saw Jason Owe drop into coverage at one point because this game just had it all uh, in terms of strange things. And 
I just think when you look at will this team quit, won't it quit? Um, I look at Jason Owe charging like 20, 30 yards downfield to make a tackle. And that to me isn't the sign of someone who's quit. Um, I think you can, you can certainly find some examples of that on this team, but this is where I don't know. People have asked is, you know, is there a players only meeting and this and that Um, this this team has had a lot of meetings on Zoom throughout the offseason. Pat Farmer said that he said, yeah, we've had like 100 Zoom meetings. Um, it kind of seems like what else can be said about this team and the cohesiveness, because how cohesive can you be when in reality, you know, the quarterback can't go and gather with everyone and take everybody out to dinner and get people on the same page. And it's just, you've got a lot of stuff working around. So you're trying to find what this right dynamic is. You're trying to work in some of these other guys. Um, but also remember you're playing football during a pandemic. So I don't know, Matt, it's all, uh, it all seemed like a mess on Saturday. Uh, I will again say that Parker Washington was a bright spot. Um, and beyond, beyond that. Jahan though, Dotson leads the big 10 receiving. We got, so yeah, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jahan Dotson has been, he's been playing Definitely out of his mind. For sure. And yeah, stepping and, up as a leader, it seems as well. And that to me is probably the most, interesting part because Dotson is very quiet uh pretty reserved his whole thing is has been I want to lead by example I'm going to lead by example um Daniel George is like supposedly the vocal leader in that room but now we're seeing Dotson take on that role uh and that's important because again how do you keep this thing from spiraling even more out of control than 0-3 um and oh by the way now you have to fly halfway across the country to Nebraska (laughs) so um Gosh, that's just a trip is always a logistical nightmare uh, for, you know, when you're coming from, from this direction. But I don't know, Matt, is there uh, is there anything you even want to or feel confident in predicting about Penn State, Nebraska right now on Monday? Because I, I certainly an interesting game. Uh, this is the 18th all time meeting between Penn State and Nebraska. Nebraska leads the series nine to eight. This is actually the first visit. For Penn State to Lincoln since 2012, which I believe Matt Lehman remembers the Matt Lehman game. Yeah. Um, so that was Penn State's. That's Penn. 2017 was actually Penn State's only win against Nebraska since the Huskers joined the Big Ten. This is only their second game against Nebraska since 2013. Um, series actually dates back 100 years. This is oh, a few days ago was the 100th anniversary of the first meeting from Penn State and Nebraska, a 20 to nothing Nittany Lions win. Uh. This Nebraska team, well, it's the same kind of identity crisis they've been stuck in for how long? Like the high expectation under Scott Frost, not meeting them. You know, their Wisconsin game got canceled. Their own two otherwise lost to Northwestern, lost to Ohio State, under 20 points both games. And they're having quarterback issues too. Adrian Martinez was 12 of 27 with an average of 4.6 yards per attempt against Northwestern, if that sounds familiar. And they brought in Luke McCaffrey, the another younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, who ended up going 12 of 16, 93 yards, still only averaged 5.8 yards per attempt, can run the football. So they do have a couple of dynamic runners at quarterback, but the uh, you know consistency passing has yet to be seen. So anyway, we're dealing with a Nebraska team with a lot of doubts of its own, which is why Penn State is somehow still favored in a road game. Somehow. Um, Penn State and Nebraska, you know, at one point, many points in history would be, you know, a huge game everybody's excited about. 
in this case, they are a combined 0-5. Uh, quite something. Um, so I don't know. Prediction? <laughs> God. You know what? I'm going to – I I think you're going to predict a loss. Am I right? So I'm going to – I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go Penn State 16, Nebraska 15. That's my prediction. Ooh, you're really going for an ugly Big Ten game. <laughs> Um, You know, I think it'll be a little bit more high scoring than that, but it deserves a prediction like 16. Well, Matt, this is how confident I am. I just picked up a coin on my desk (laughs) and I am going to flip it. So heads is Penn State, tails is Nebraska. Let's see. Let's see. We'll do do best out of three. We need like live video on this. First was heads, second was podcast content in the history of podcasts. (laughs) Well, it says Nebraska. So right. my very scientific prediction is going to be, oh gosh, Nebraska 17, Penn State 14. I, eesh, I I don't know. I feel like right now for Penn State, like they should be able to put up more points than that. I also think that maybe it's going to take like a defensive touchdown right now. Like it just, it, there's nothing going. Um, they really need a big play early in the game. You know, yeah. whether it's on offense or defense, something, something to energize the group. They cannot fall behind early again. Like there's got to be, you know, those big plays we've seen to Jahan Dots and to Parker Washington. Something needs to happen in the first half. They um, need a galvanizing and, moment, man. Or, you know, Jason Owe, who's going, like he's going to have a big game at some point where he's actually getting the court, like finishing mm-hmm. Maybe the this quarterback. Is it. Probably going to get, you know, a game changing turnover or something. Maybe that happens against Nebraska. Anything is possible again. Nebraska is not particularly good right now either. So it's a winnable game for Penn state. As I've said, like every game is winnable. Uh, I don't think they're going to win every game. Every game is still winnable. So if that's like the silver lining of don't give up on this, it's yeah. Michigan's also pretty bad right now. Nebraska's pretty bad right now. Um, it'll make it feel worse if they lose these games, but like there's still opportunities to turn it around. So we're only three games in. Don't give up <laughs> completely. We're in November. We're only three games in. It's 70 yes, degrees crazy. out. I, I, yeah, this is, it's so crazy. Um, and this will actually be, this will be the first uh, Penn State game that I'm not going to make the trek to uh, to Omaha and then to Lincoln. It's just a little bit too far during a pandemic for me. So uh, I will be watching from the couch Saturday night and then hopping on the, or Saturday afternoon, then hopping on the Zooms afterward. Um, so I'm looking forward to like watching a game on TV like that because I just, I haven't, the last time I wasn't at a Penn State game, Matt, would have been the Croke Park Classic <laughs> when I didn't get to go to Ireland that I drew the go downtown to Kildare's and talk to people as they get drunk and watch the game on a Saturday morning straw. Um, RIP Kildare's in State College. It's now like, I think a high rise probably. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be, it's, it'll be weird. Um, but I just think right now trying to figure out what these two teams are, uh, it's pretty telling that you and I don't have any read on Penn State. Uh, just this is one of the toughest of games play. to predict, like ever. Like, I just how yeah. is either team going to react? I don't know. <laughs> we, that's yeah, one that we can't predict. So yeah, don't don't take my prediction to Vegas because I literally just flipped the coin. <laughs> well, that's as good as anything right now, I think. Yep. So, that'll do it for this uh, interesting postmortem from really one of the one of the most frustrating Penn State losses in a long time. Uh, we will be back next week on Zero Old State to recap whatever is going to happen in Penn State, <laughs> Nebraska. Who can say it's going to be a very interesting week for Penn State. 
Uh, of course, we thank everybody for listening. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe. Please rate and review us on uh, on iTunes. Hopefully we are not 0-3 with this. <laughs> We're striving we to hope. inform, provide some measured takes here. Um, but check out Audrey's content on The Athletic all week, of course, and uh, before and after the Nebraska game. And thanks for listening. We will be back next Monday after Penn State, Nebraska.